0: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Final segment of the week. Yeah, and we get a few days off, hang out with some family, do some fun, maybe get some exercise. Keep your masks on, social distance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, There... (laughs) There was another there was another topic I wanted to address with you today, and I'm not going to have time to do it, but I'm going to hold on to it until Monday, and it has to do with uh, wastewater. I'll just very quickly uh, tell you that with all of uh, this COVID talk, and there is still uncertainty as to where the, the numbers are coming from. We know that Utah County has had a disproportionately high uh, spike. We know that a portion of that spike is made up of uh, relatively young people, but that is just, that's about as specific as we're able to get because we don't have universal testing. You know, that's just not a thing. Or do we? The Department of Water Quality here in the state of Utah, as you know, has for some time been maintaining a database where they are taking uh, samples from uh, sewage treatment plants. There are a number of these plants throughout the state and I right here in front of me now have uh, like one of those GIS maps that indicates all of the updates to that map and it shows uh, pretty clearly here that in terms of trends that uh, Utah County, starting uh, at Lehigh and traveling uh, far south, almost to Nephi, that each one of the water treatment plants between uh, Lehigh and Nephi, each one of them along I-15, the corridor there, they are seeing uh, a dramatic increase in the detection of uh, SARS-CoV-2 in the sewage. And... Uh, Really one of the only places in the state. There are other exceptions. There are places that are also seeing uh, increasing rates there. But uh, uh, much of Salt Lake County is either stabilized or it's decreasing. Uh, If you get further north, uh, North Salt Lake, uh, Bountiful, there are some treatment plants there seeing some increasing rates. Uh, prevalence of the COVID virus. Anyway, I- I'm going to put this on hold uh, on Monday. We're going to dig into the science of this. And as I promised the last time we discussed this uh, this procedure, I will do my best uh, not to make any sewer jokes. <laughs> no promises. Uh, we'll dig into that on Monday. Right now, though, uh, I- I'm going to tell you something. I was for a long time a congressional aide one of the ways that we passed time there was uh, digging into uh, obscure procedure. Yeah, The rules of Congress are very interesting, and they allow uh, for some interesting things to happen. And uh, I want to tell you about one such motion that is available. It's called the Motion to Vacate. And on Tuesday, uh, the, the Freedom Caucus, some of the more conservative Republican members of the House of Representatives, are going to be meeting with uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to discuss whether or not uh, they will make an attempt to exercise this motion to vacate. Now, what is motion to vacate? It's a, a privileged motion, uh, which means that uh, you know, someone enjoying that privilege can bring uh, force a floor vote, And under the rules of the House right now, uh, that would have to come from Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. If he were to take to the floor of the House and call upon uh, and make a privileged motion to vacate the chair, he would then be forcing a vote on whether or not Nancy Pelosi can retain the speaker's gavel. uh, And according to House rules uh, that were implemented, not, not recently, but at the dawn of the Congress. All right. Uh, this motion to vacate dates back. There have been some adjustments to it. And each Congress, uh, every two years, uh, the the members have to, to vote to sustain those rules. And right now, uh, this rule is on the book. It's a long shot. Right. But it would uh, demand uh, some decisions be made by by certain Democrats there in the House uh, is really Two sides. There are two sides to the Democratic Party. There are the traditional folks, and then there is the AOC squad. Uh, the squad, plus the rest. Uh, so look for that next week. Uh, a Motion to vacate. It could be uh, a fascinating thing to behold. Now, speaking of Nancy Pelosi, there is another interesting bit of constitutional procedure, uh, which uh, has to do with at least the, the position of Speaker of the House, and as it is the case now, Speaker Pelosi. And I only have a few minutes to explain this, so uh, so stick with me here. <sighs> there is a chance that Nancy Pelosi ends up the next president of the United States. There is a chance that Nancy Pelosi ends up as the next president of the United States, taking office in 2021. It is the narrowest of chances. There is a narrow, narrow, slim chance. But procedurally, there is a pathway. Constitutionally, there is a pathway. It starts this way there would have to first be a tie in the Electoral College. There would need to be a tie in the Electoral College. Uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump would need to split Electoral College votes. And that's possible. If Trump loses, uh, say, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, Nebraska, and Biden holds on to to everything else uh, from 2016, if those uh, trends continue, uh, the two candidates would be deadlocked at 269 electoral votes apiece. Now, remember, that happens uh, after the new Congress is seated. So uh, the, the, or the, or rather the certification is made after the new Congress is seated. So you go into the new Congress with a tie in the Electoral College. Do you, does anyone know any history buffs know what happens next? If there's a tie in the Electoral College, the House then votes for the president. But not every member doesn't have a vote. Every state represented gets a vote, and the vote of that, dis- of that state is determined by the majority of members within that state delegation, and there is a chance that that vote ends in a tie. There is a chance uh, that the delegation split uh, ends in a tie and the House would then vote uh, 50-50 to send this president candidate that. And so what happens then? A deadlock reverts then to the vice president. Who selects the vice president? In this case, it's the Senate. And there is another unlikely scenario in which the Senate could be deadlocked. And so, in the two choices to seat the president, the House unable to make progress due to a deadlock, the Senate unable to elect the vice president due to a deadlock, what happens next? Line of succession takes effect. As soon as Inauguration Day rolls around and there is no new president uh, constitutionally selected, it reverts to line of succession. And who then is standing in waiting? Standing in wait? Speaker Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. So there it is. It is highly unlikely, but if you're a nerd like me who likes the intricacies of statute and procedure and constitutional uh, law and precedent, there is a fun exercise. A tie in the the Electoral College, a tie in the House, a tie in the Senate— Speaker Pelosi is the next president of the United States. Highly unlikely, highly improbable, uh, but a fun exercise nonetheless. Maybe someday uh, around the kitchen table you can impress your family by knowing that little bit uh, of constitutional statute. So that's it. That's the show for today. Uh, On Monday, we'll we'll get right back into it. For now, though, it's time for me to step aside and make way for the great... Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news. Uh, Plenty to be covered ahead. Uh, Likely focus of course this high number 1,117 new cases of the coronavirus here in the state of Utah. Details all throughout the afternoon here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.